The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. You can read along up there. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are able to grow up in every way into him, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Well, it's really good to be with you this morning. It's a privilege, as always, uh, to be here. And, you know, while we're talking about community, I wanted to take the opportunity just to say thank you uh, to you guys, to the Axleander community. You know, when I landed at Axleander uh, last December, I was in a place spiritually where, you know, it just sort of felt like things were really dry and like I was just slogging through it. Um, and it was really difficult for me. And to come into this community and to be here uh, was very nourishing and very encouraging to me. Um, it really uh, was a resurrecting experience to a lot of my, my faith journey. And so I just wanted to express my gratitude to you for that. The title of this morning's message is Built Up in Love. Built Up in Love. It comes from the passage that we just heard. It's the phenomenon of what happens when the people in the body are serving the body. And Paul says the body of Christ, the church, builds itself up in love. He says that's what biblical community looks like. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is biblical community. You know, there are a lot of churches that do community well, but there are not a lot of churches that do biblical community well. When we talk about community, it's easy to think about things like, you know, well, we're, we're trying to care for one another and protect one another, and we're going to hang together and provide for one another. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Raccoons do that. <laughs> what is it that sets biblical community apart from just any other community? You know, yeah, we want to we care for one another and, and we want to help one another, but As we're caring for one another, we're helping one another grow up into maturity in Christ. It's like we want loyalty to be a part of our community. But as we're growing more loyal to each other, we're also helping each other grow more loyal to Jesus. We want to encourage each other, but we want to encourage each other with the hope of the truth of the gospel. And we want to be generous to one another and give to one another and share with one another. Why? Well, because we serve and we worship a generous God who didn't even spare his own son but gave him up for us and along with him will graciously give us all things, Romans 8. So the goal with biblical community is that we're growing as individuals, but we're growing together and alongside one another as a collective. And so the result is that we're impacting our geography and that we're meeting people's tangible needs. And most importantly, we're introducing them to the one who can meet their greatest need. 
which is their need for a Savior. And here's why this is so important. It's because if our goal as Acts Church Leander is to be reaching people with the reality of Jesus, then we need to make sure that in every way we are a healthy community for them to plug into once they trust Christ. And I could tell you so many stories of people I know from just the time that I've done college ministry of people who profess faith in Christ and then for whatever reason just did not plug into a healthy church community. You know, maybe there wasn't one around, they didn't make the effort to plug into church, or maybe they did plug into a church and then that church community was actually not a healthy one. And as a result, those people are no longer walking with Christ today. So we've got to be sure that as we're reaching people with the message of the gospel, that once they come into the family, that this is a healthy environment for them. Because what we want to see is we want to see people go, come from not believing in Christ to believing in Christ to living on mission and helping other people meet Christ and believe as well. Paul calls it being built up in love. So if we're going to be a community that's built up in love, what are the things that need to be true about us? What are the marks of that kind of community? And as I was thinking this over, I felt so drawn to Ephesians 4. Uh, Ephesians is sort of the constitution of the church. It's the blueprint. Paul wrote this letter to various churches in Ephesus. It was intended that one church would get it, read it, and pass it on to the next one. And so the letter would kind of circulate through all the churches in that area. And so I felt God pull me toward Ephesians 4. And we're going to see three things in this passage. There are a couple more, but we're just going to focus in on three. Three indicators in this passage that a local church community is growing and is becoming spiritually mature and that it is building itself up in love. We'll talk about two, and then we'll do sort of a little interview with a couple from our church who I love, and then we'll talk about the third one, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper together. So the first indicator, the first indicator that a community is being built up in love is that the people in the body are serving the body with their gifts. That's the first indicator that a community is being built up in love. It's that the people in the body are serving the body with their gifts. Look at verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, a lot of times when we talk about spiritual gifts in the church, we tend to sort of zero in and focus on and talk about ways that people are talented. So we'll talk about, you know, a music gift or a teaching gift or an evangelism gift. But the point that Paul is trying to make in this passage is that you yourself as an individual are a gift to this community. That you as a person, you are the gift given to this church. Look at verse 12. Who does it say in verse 12 is doing the work of the ministry? The saints. That'd be you guys. That's the members of the church. So it's not just the pastor doing the ministry. It's not just the talented person doing the ministry. It's not just the ordained person doing the ministry. It's everybody. The saints are being equipped to do the work of the ministry. We're all doing the ministry. We're ministering to each other, and we're ministering to the people 
uh, you know, our friends and our neighbors in the community. Paul says that when this is happening, when everyone in the body is using their various gifts and talents and time and resources to minister to the people around them, the result is that the body of Christ is built up and that the people within it are unified and that spiritual maturity is a byproduct of that faith in action. And that's a very important thing to understand about spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is not measured in terms of knowledge. It's not measured in terms of knowledge. Spiritual maturity is not measured in terms of theological understanding. It's not measured in terms of whether you went to Bible college or whether you have a seminary degree. That's not how you measure spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is measured in terms of faithfulness. And it's measured in terms of love and devotion to Jesus. And so Paul says that when we, we grow into maturity, when we use our gifts to serve one another. And the result is that the body of Christ is built up. So that's the first indicator. Community is, being, is building itself up in love when the people in it are using their gifts to engage and to serve the body. Second one, second indicator, community is being built up in love when the people are developing a coherent biblical worldview. Community is being built up in love when the people in it are developing a coherent biblical worldview. Look at verse 14. Paul says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So spiritual maturity is measured primarily in terms of obedience to Christ. But as I've said before, uh, if you've heard me preach here before, you've probably heard me say that right choices come from right perspective. Right choices come from right perspective. Paul says in verse 14 that part of spiritual maturity is a resistance to the ungodly ways of thinking that can sort of creep into our consciousness as a result of just living in a fallen world and being fallen people with fallen intellect. Paul wants his readers, and he wants us today, to be secure in our thinking and in our understanding. And so he doesn't just want us to be smart. He doesn't just want us to be intelligent. He wants us to be wise. That's what it means to develop a coherent biblical worldview. It means to be wise and to not be wishy-washy. Do you know wishy-washy people in your life? These are the people who they can like just change what they believe like in an instant. You know, it's like they hear some, some new idea and they're like, oh, that sounds great. I think I, think I believe this now. You know, or they're the people who formulate their beliefs based on what feels good to them. Have you met these people? I was having a conversation uh, recently with a friend of mine about something political. I won't tell you what it was because it's not important, but I was right. And uh, <laughs> I told her something that was like empirically true. Like I told her a statistic. And she looked back at me and she goes, well, you know, I just don't feel like that's right. And I was like, well, facts don't care about your feelings. You know, like, it doesn't matter what you feel. You know, that's just a true thing. I'm sorry that that bothers you. But I know people that do spirituality this way. You know, you come across something in the Bible and you just really don't like it. And you're like, ooh, I don't think that's right. I don't feel like that's right. Well, it's not about what you feel. It's about what's true. God wants us to build our worldview upon the rock-solid foundation of truth 
of Scripture, not one that changes with our feelings like the changing of the seasons, not one that can be rocked around by the waves of life or blown about by the wind of the world's way of thinking. So what question this morning is, what are you doing in your life to develop a coherent biblical worldview? What are you doing? What are you doing to develop that? Are you engaging Scripture on your own? Or is that just sort of a, you know, on Sunday mornings when I go to church kind of thing? Are you spending time with God in prayer? Or is prayer pretty much just a before meals and, you know, we say the Lord's Prayer at church, so... Are you prioritizing a rhythm of communicating with God through prayer and then hearing from God through his word and then putting what you learn into practice in your life? Because that's how you develop a coherent biblical worldview. That's how you develop wisdom. That's how you build a foundation for spiritual maturity. And when you do that, what you'll gain is the ability to be able to see life with rare objectivity because you'll be seeing life based on truth and based on principles and not based on just what I'm feeling in a moment. And you'll be able to handle life with stability, objectivity and stability. That's what wisdom is. So we're going to take just a quick break now before we hit the third indicator to talk to uh, Aunt and Bethany. They are awesome folks and just a key part of this community. And so I'm excited for you to hear a little bit from them this morning. How are y'all feeling good? Beautiful. Okay, just making sure this is on. All right, who wants it first? This guy. Perfect. All right, so tell us who you are. Tell us about yourselves. How did you get connected to Axe? I'm Anthony, and this is Bethany, and we got little guy Keller in the back. Uh, most of y'all probably heard the story, but we were living in an apartment underneath uh, Tanner and uh, got woken up like 8 o'clock, 7.30 something with band practice, and she was uh, pregnant at the time, working nights, so that was a little unpleasant. So she goes up and knocks on the door and sees uh, Pastor Gabe and Tanner and uh, <laughs> Phil on the stand-up, and uh, here we are. <laughs> uh, we had cookies hanging on the door the next morning with an apology note from Tanner and Katie and uh, so cookies won my heart and we've been friends ever since <laughs> and I remember telling her not to get uh, too crazy up there because they're playing music and maybe I want to go play with them one day so thankfully it all went well but yeah we're here and uh, blessed to be here that's my favorite story yeah, it's time. a great one. Uh, so tell us, tell us a little bit just kind of about your spiritual life before coming to Acts, where you've been, and, and how your spirituality, your walk with God has changed since coming to Acts. Uh, so before uh, coming here, I've just lived like day to day. I knew there was God out there, but he hasn't done really anything like spectacular, spectacular or nothing like quite jumped out at me. But uh, recently, the signs that he's been sending me are like this big instead of like this big. So um, like coming here every Sunday and helping out has just been like kind of eye-opening of, hey, like I'm here, like God's always with me and just, you know, 
It's a, it's a great place to be on Sunday morning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, uh, I grew up Pentecostal or a branch of Pentecostal, so it's slightly different <laughs> than, uh, than here. And uh, <laughs> yeah, just kind of They sit in the front row at the Pentecostal church. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was craziness, but that's just what I was used to and kind of guess the flame burned really, really bright for a while and it, it just kind of died out and I just kind of got burned out and just drifted away. You know, God was more of like a, a pleasant idea to me. It was more of a just like everyone's got their own gods. It can be a different thing. Like, I, I mean, God's always been God to me, but it's just, he's kind of reined me back in. Like it's it's gone more from real to an idea to back to real. And it's, um, I hope that's not taken wrong. Like God is God. But anyways, yeah, it's, uh, he's just reined me back in a lot. And uh, I've, our relationship's gotten a lot better. And when that relationship gets better, all the relationships around you get better. So for sure, everything's been working out mm. a lot better. That's good. Yeah. What, what's your favorite part about being a part of the Axe community? Um, so when I first came here, uh, we were strangers, and I went straight to the bathroom and cried. I don't exactly know why, but I was just like overwhelmed by everything and came out, saw Sandy. Sandy was like right there, just like, hey, how you doing? Welcome to our church. You want some coffee? You know, the whole thing, the whole nine. And nobody said anything about me crying in the bathroom, but that's because <laughs> nobody caught me. And I just have like my big carrier in tow and... It was all good from then, I think. <laughs> yeah, but we're just, we're mostly family here, and I can look out into the crowd, and I know people, and I see the faces, and I can connect them to, like, oh, your name is Sarah, and this is Drew and his family. Like, I, it's just not like a face. I can, I can put a name there, too, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, I like that part, too. Um <laughs> I just I really like the uh the freedom to express here. I love the the fact that we have a different speaker every week and even before we had to, you know, Pastor Gabe was always willing to let someone else come in and there's just a real nurturing feeling here for people's gifts and uh I just I really liked it. I came in and within a couple of weeks, you know, they let me hop on the drums and man it's that's been a big help. Like it's that's helped a lot with reining things back in and uh yeah i just love the community there's nobody here beating you over the head with a bible and telling you that if you don't do what the guy behind the box tells you like it's it's just free here you know everyone just realizes that we're all humans and you know we're all chasing the same goal and there's no there's no point in you know whipping just everybody come on and it's just really free and it's a happy family here and i love you guys and i thank you all for accepting us so what's, what's one thing that God is teaching you in life right now? He's teaching me a, a lot of patience and I'm learning how to, to hold on and let go at the same time, which is really hard. Uh, like I said, it just goes back to, to the feeling here, just people telling you that, you know, it's not, it's not about being perfect. So I'm just learning that, like, 
just drop all that. You don't have to worry about what you did yesterday or just keep the faith and keep moving on and things are going to work out the way they need to go. Mm-hmm. Same. Awesome. Well, hey, let me pray for you again. We did this in the, in the first service, so I want to do it again. Uh, Father, thank you again so much for Aunt Bethany and for, for giving them to this community, for giving them to me as friends. Lord, they're, they're such a blessing. I thank you for the ways that you've shown up in their life. I pray that you would continue to bless them and protect them, and you would bless and protect uh, little Keller as well because he is crazy. Um, God, we love Aunt Bethany and Keller. We love you. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love y'all. You know, I'm really glad we didn't like prep Aunt and Bethany, so I didn't like know what they were going to say, uh, which is always a good way to go into things when you're going to give somebody a microphone. Um, but, you know, I think that, that God showed up in this way because when I. When we, when we were talking and doing the interview in the first service, I couldn't help thinking about what I knew was coming next in the talk and in the passage and with this third indicator. It relates so, so well to what Ant was talking about. The third indicator that a community is building itself up in love is that the people in the community feel safe to be honest about who they are. That's the third way you know that a community is being built up in love, is that the people in the body feel the safety and the security and the comfort to be able to be honest and open with other people about who they are, about where they've been, about what's going on in their life and the sin and struggles that we all have. Look at verse 15. Paul says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So usually in, in Christian circles, when we talk about speaking the truth in love, we really just mean that as a euphemism for, like, calling somebody out, right? Like, hey, man, I, you know, I just need to speak the truth in love to you. Your breath is atrocious. It's disgusting. I hate that. You know, or, listen, you know, don't get mad, but I got to tell you, you really need to step up and get your kids under control. So your kids are running wild, and it is not good. But, you know, don't be mad, though. I just, you know, I, I speak the truth and love to you, brother, because I'm just, you know, here for your edification, right? Or, you know, someone will say, oh, man, do you see that guy on Sunday morning? Do you know what's going on with him and that lady? I mean, it's not good. Somebody should really, you know, speak the truth in love, though. Speak the truth and love to that guy. Someone really needs to call him out in love, you know, the fact of the matter is that there's nothing loving about just pointing somebody's sin out to them. There's nothing loving about that, about just pointing it out. Hey, man, just want to let you know, 
you're a sinner. Like, thanks. Tell me something I don't already know, right? There's nothing loving in that. There's nothing loving in trying to get somebody to fixate on their sin or to dwell on it or to obsess over it. There's nothing loving in that. I want to play a little game this morning. Do you all like games? We're going to do a little game. It's a quiz game, multiple choice question type game. It's called Jesus or the Devil. All right? Jesus or the Devil. I'm going to ask a question. It's a multiple choice question. And the answer is either going to be Jesus or the Devil. All right? So and feel free to answer out loud. Okay? So first, first question. First question. Who wants you to dwell and fixate and obsess over your sin so much that it paralyzes you? Is that Jesus or the devil? That's good. One for one. Nice. (laughs) Second one. Who wants you to live a life that's defined by shame? The devil. That's good. Two for two. All right. Nervous. All right. Clutch moment. Last question. Whose work are we doing? When we cause people to fixate on their sin and to obsess over it so that they're ashamed and paralyzed. That's right. That's right. I want to share with you an example from my life. I didn't know whether I would, but I feel like it would be helpful. Um, I hope it is. And, you know, it, I feel like if we're going to talk about people feeling safe to be honest about who they are and where they've been, then I'll, I'm more than willing to go first and to be vulnerable in that way. So I want to tell you, when I was in college, I had an issue in my life that was a sin issue uh, that I needed to confess. And I won't go into details because I know we got you know broad age range in here, but I, to put it euphemistically, I was in a relationship that just went beyond what was appropriate for where we were at at that stage of life. And so I felt so guilty about it, it was literally making me sick. I mean, I would wake up in the morning and just feel nauseous and not be able to look at myself in the mirror, and I felt like it was eating me up from the inside. And so I knew that I just, I had to get it out in the open and I had to tell somebody. And so I went to two of my closest friends, and both of them were pastors at the church that I was attending at the time. And I remember one of the friends, I confessed to him, we were sitting on the back porch of the house, and I said, look, you know, this is what's going on in my life, and this is the truth, I've been lying to you this whole time, and I want to tell you this is what's happened, and I feel horrible and just totally wretched, and I have no idea what to do, and he laid into me. I mean, he came back with the, I can't believe you would do this, and I can't believe you would do something so stupid. And he asked me, how could I think that what I did was okay? And I told him, I didn't think it was okay, and I felt horrible. And that's why I had to tell you about it, because you're the pastor. And he told me, well, obviously you don't think it's that bad, or you wouldn't have done it. He thought he was speaking the truth in love. What he was really doing was he was just adding on to my shame, just rubbing my nose in it. And this friend, you know, when I look back on it years later with clear eyes, I think, you know, this friend paid lip service to the gospel. But in a moment when I needed to hear a message of absolution and a message of forgiveness and a message of hope, he brought me a message of condemnation and of shame, and it made me feel hopeless, and it made me feel alone. 
and he went on later to gossip about me and to make jokes at my expense with other people on the church staff. He is my closest friend. He was like a mentor to me, but he wounded me in this very deep, deep, very personal way that very few people in my life ever have. And our friendship never recovered from that moment. I mean, I've forgiven him for that by the grace of God, but we've never been able to recover the friendship that we used to have. But luckily, he wasn't the only person in my life that I came to with this information. The other friend was my college pastor, Josh, and he knew that something was wrong with me. You know, he could tell that something was off in my life. He's like, you're like a deflated basketball. Like, what is going on with you? And I remember the moment very clearly. I was at Jake Eumanns' house. I don't know if you know Jake, but I was at his, he's a professor at Concordia. I was at his house with all of the other DCE majors uh, at Concordia, and my phone rang, and it was Josh. So I answered it, and he said, hey, I don't care what you're doing right now. You need to come over. I'm like, oh, I was like, well, I'm at this thing. He's like, doesn't matter. You need to leave that thing, and you need to come over to my house tonight uh, because, listen, I know that something's wrong with you. I know that something's going on, and I care about you too much to just ignore it and pretend like I don't see stuff that's happening. So you're going to come over, and we're going to talk about it. So I left the DCE party, and I drove to his house, and we sat outside, and I told him everything that was going on. And I just cried, and I'm like an ugly crier, so it's like snot everywhere, just totally humiliating. Not like a stoic, manly cry, but like just a, you know, just disgusting, like steel magnolias cry. And uh, I told him I was so embarrassed and so ashamed and I felt like I could never change and I remember I told him I felt like I would always be a disappointment to the people in my life and I remember he looked me in the eyes and he said to me very very clearly he said listen what you did was wrong I'm not going to pretend like it's okay it's not okay what you did was wrong but you know that and God still loves you and so do I. And God still believes in you. And so do I. And it's going to be okay. You're not a lost cause. You're not hopeless. You're not a disappointment. You think you could disappoint God? Like, like he knows you. He made you. He's not surprised, believe me. And he said, he said, look, I'm going to walk through this with you, and we're going to work on your character, and it'll be hard, and it will take time, but you're not going to be alone. You're not going to be alone. He was willing to step into the messiness of my life and to guide me back to a place of health and a place of safety and a place of stability. And in fact, we're still doing ministry together six years later. We watched the Longhorns and the Trojans last night with a bunch of our college students from our ministry. When Paul says speaking the truth in love, this is so important. When Paul says we're speaking the truth in love, he's not talking about putting people in their place. This world is full of people who are just looking to put other people in their place. And sometimes when you hand those people the Bible, it's just like teaching a bully karate, right? All over there are people who want to use religion. They want to use the Bible to put people in their place. We want to be the community 
who says, let me tell you about a God who wants to call you up to a higher place. Let me tell you about the truth of the gospel. So the truth of the gospel is that Jesus has defeated sin, and he's defeated death, and he's defeated evil by the power of his own death and resurrection, and that he is making all things new, even you and even me. So yeah, it, it involves addressing sin, for sure. We're not trying to whitewash over things or push things under the rug, especially when those things are painful to people and they cause pain to other people. But we're addressing sins so that we can remind people of the hope of the gospel and redemption that comes through Jesus. So when we're a community where people can be honest about their sin and not be afraid of being shamed or being ridiculed or kicked around, but instead they can be accepted and loved and cared for and walked with, Paul says that when that happens, we grow up in every way into Christ Jesus, who's the head of the church. He says that's how the body is built up in love. That's the kind of environment where people will actually grow and not just learn to fake it, not just learn to hide things away, not just learn to keep quiet about that part of my life, but to bring it out into the open where it can be addressed in a way that's gracious and in a way that's informed by the truth of the gospel. So, so those are our three indicators. Community's building itself up in love when the people are using their gifts to serve the body. It's building itself up in love when uh, people are developing a coherent biblical worldview. And then lastly, and probably most importantly, the community is building itself up in love when there is safety for people to be honest about who they are and about what's going on in their life without fear of condemnation. So let me pray for us as the band comes back up. And then we will take the Lord's Supper together. Father in heaven, my prayer this morning is that in the areas where we're doing well as a community, that we would continue to do well by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that in the areas where we need to grow, that the Lord would make us aware of them, that you would give us grace and strength to grow in those areas so that we'll be effective representatives of Christ in our city and in our context. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you for your work that you are making all things new, even us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.